Amy, we've got a bunch of little nieces and nephews between us, but we've also got a catch-all gift that all of our siblings love for their newborns. You're totally right, and it's Pampers Swaddlers, because Pampers Swaddlers wick wetness away to keep babies drier and subsequently parents happier. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better versus the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist approved by the Skin Health Alliance. They're hypoallergenic and they're free of parabens and latex. Now you can try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes won't tear. In fact, they grip mess, shall we say, more firmly and clean better, leaving baby skin dry, soft, and smooth. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers Cash has no cash value. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Fresh Take from What Fresh Hell Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. This is Margaret. And this is Amy. And this week, you guys, I am very excited about our guest this week. It's Joe Dombrowski. He is better known to mortals like us as Mr. D. He's a teach median. He took the world by storm in 2017 with an April Fool's Day spelling test prank that you probably saw and it landed him multiple appearances on Ellen. He's a comedian. He's a teacher. He's a fun time maker. He leads a double life in the classroom and traveling the world in non-pandemic times with his comedy show called Indoor Recess. And when he's not on the road, he produces his podcast, Social Studies, in which he unpacks the wild world of elementary school. Joe, thanks for talking to us. Oh, absolutely. I might can that little snippet and use that as my intro forever. That was perfect. (laughs) (laughs) We love a big setup because we like people to have high expectations of our guests, but you better deliver. You know, it's like when we go with the heavy setup, now people are really expecting things from you, Joe. When I first got this job in kindergarten, which is what I'm teaching right now, they were like, well, it's very interesting to have a celebrity on staff. I was like, oh, please, like Z-list, maybe, but (laughs) let's not get it twisted. (laughs) I know who you are. That's a real celebrity. And Amy, let me tell you, I wish you could have heard our lead up conversation. She was like, oh, my God, I think he's going to do the podcast. I'm so excited. She just outed you. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah. She's a super fan. Who is the harder crowd, Joe? Like worst comedy club ever or like kindergartners on Zoom? Who's tougher? Literally, this is the best question I've ever been asked on a podcast (laughs) ever. (laughs) Oddly similar. I'm a good comedian because I'm a teacher and I'm a good teacher because I'm comedian because I do my sets every day to the kindergartners and they heckle the hell out of me. And then I go do the same thing for drunk adults, which are essentially just kindergartners, sober kindergartners. Right. There's parody there for sure. Oh, yeah. Like the parallels are insane. But who's tougher? I'm going to go ahead and say the kindergartners. They're very unforgiving. And the things that they'll say to you like, An audience adult heckler would probably sugarcoat their heckling a little bit. And a kindergartner is just going to look at me and be like, you look tired. You should probably stop. (laughs) I feel like I used to say this all the time because I came out of comedy before having kids. And 
my dream was to open a comedy club just for babies because I was like, my act kills for babies. Like, whose feet are these? It kills every time. Like, I've never had a bit <laughs> never fails. that was that strong. Oh, yeah. Like, whose legs are these? And like, whose chubby arms? Like, I would get a laugh every time. And I'm like, I need to open for my own sense of belonging in the world, a comedy club just for babies. Oh, I'm in. But kindergartners, they turn on you. They turn on you. And believe me, I now have an eight-year-old. No, I have a nine-year-old, an 11-year-old, and a 12-year-old, something like that. And they've completely turned on me. I mean, my act is dead. Not funny at all. Oh, yeah. You are not funny. Oh, listen. My sweetest, sweetest kindergartner this week. She's never given me a problem, ever. She... Made some poor choices. We'll just leave it at that at recess. So I asked her to come over to me. (laughs) She looked at me and she stomped her foot. And I said, you listen to me, honey. You will not stomp those last season jamboree boots at me. Okay? (laughs) Don't get it twisted. I was pissed. And how did she react? Was she like, yes? Was she put in her place correctly? Oh, yeah. They don't understand. Like this little girl, though, she was not playing around. Like, I swear to God, the night before she was on her Ouija board channeling the spirit of Whitney Houston to just get that full diva experience. Nice. But when you have a gay kindergarten teacher, honey, <laughs> don't honey, try. there is no test. Don't try me. Don't try it. Don't try you. I will win. Come correct, as we used to say in the uh, 90s. Oh, come correct or don't come at all. It's just like comedy, like you're out on the high wire. And if you can pull it off, you're the greatest. And if you fail, you just fall into a pit of lions who devour you. Yeah. If you let the audience take advantage of you, they will 100% do Mm. it and they will thrive. You have to command it. (laughs) They will live their best lives while they eat you alive. They will rip you apart limb for limb. (laughs) And it's the same in the classroom because then the same girl, I was like, I'll talk to you after lunch. She comes back after lunch and she brings me this note. It's just a heart. She goes, I drew you a heart because I love you. I said, thank you. Let's talk about your choices. No, 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 sweet cheeks. I'm not falling for this. What do you think I was? I was a kindergartner once. Have you read that book, Lily's Purple Plastic Purse by Kevin Henkes? It's a fantastic book. No. Oh, it's a good one. It's a good one for your kindergartners. She brings her purple plastic purse to school and her teacher, who's a man, is like, okay, we're not doing that right now. It's circle time. And she keeps bringing the purple plastic purse out like, everybody, look at my my purse. And so she gets in trouble with her teacher, but she loves this teacher so much. Her mom has to walk her through the appropriate, you know, apology letter that will be good enough for this teacher who is God come to earth in her eyes. Like a heart's not going to cut it. Oh, I am 100% going to read that. Is it a kid's book? I'm going to read that to them. Yeah, it's so good because it so captures that feeling of being in circle time. And like, I know I'm supposed to be quiet and I really want to, you know, but I have a new purple plastic purse that has two quarters inside. And am I supposed to (laughs) not talk about that right now? Keep that to myself. That is literally kindergarten. Like, okay, kindergartners and drunk adults, the same thing. You know that girl, that drunk girl at the bar, and she loves the glass that they gave her that has the bar logo on it. So she's stealing it and putting it in her purse. And the bartender is watching her do it. She's making eye contact with him. He's telling her no, and she's still putting it in her purse. That's a kindergartner in their glue stick. I'm over here like, stop gluing. And their little hand's looking right at me. They hear it. They know. But that other hand is just... Back and forth. They're just keep going. Keep going. It's like, wow. Okay. But they're just so excited. It's very, it's alarmingly the cutest stress I've ever been under. We'll say that. That's such a good way to say it. My youngest last year was in second grade. And because of my vast theatrical resume that I'm very proud of, I was chosen to direct 
the second grade Zoom version of The Wizard of Oz. Oh, mama. Oh, yeah. It was thoughts and prayers time in my household. And my poor husband, who's an engineer and like has nothing to do with this, was like under my screaming, like, you know, crazed director, art direction was coming up with like background sets that could be the backgrounds and figuring out the Zoom and the webinar. Anyway, it was all extremely misguided. But I was constantly amused by my like Cecil B. Demented directing of like, and then you're going to do this and that. And they were like, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Do you know I got a lizard? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> same, same. Two important things. <laughs> and like, I was just so, oh my God. And I don't work with children generally. And so it just really, I had to keep checking myself because I was indeed wrecking myself because oh, yeah. I was just like, and then you will enter, you will sing your song, you will turn off your Zoom camera. And they're like, uh-huh, uh-huh. We had pancakes this morning. Yes, this is my life. Yeah. It must be. So how has the adjustment to Zoom school been? Because I'm sure it's been demented. Oh, Zoom school. So here's the thing. When you explain it to a non-teacher, they're like, this must be horrible. But it's really the same stuff that happened in the classroom just over Zoom. The one, the biggest difference is they're in their house. So they think they're in control. Girl, you're not. I am still. <laughs> but they will just be like, I'm going to lay down now. And you have to very, very quickly be like, you're not. Okay. And they'll always grab things. I can't tell you how many cat buttholes I have taught over Zoom because they're petting the cat's face. I'm like, I can't handle this. But, you know, there's pros and cons to it for sure. Pro being I can work out in the middle of the day. So that's fun. And probably you have to really control your class with your voice anyway. It's not like you're putting your hands on children, you know, to make them move or sit. Like, it's probably a lot of the same, like, skill in terms of being in charge. It's the true definition of edutainment. Like, mm. I am fully, I literally consider my Zoom classroom, like, you just turned on PBS and I have to be all of the shows. Like, you just, mm. lots of motion, lots of colors, lots of singing. Oh, I've never sang so much in my life. And I'm not a singer. But let me tell you what, those five-year-olds make me feel like I'm ready for Broadway, baby, because they're all <laughs> like, you're so good. You're so good at this. I'm like, keep going. Tell me more. Yeah. <laughs> That's my life. Do you think being funny makes it easier to be a good Zoom teacher? Like, do you think that that is an important arrow in your quiver? I don't think it's important for being an effective Zoom teacher. I think it's important for the sanity of the mm. teacher. Yeah. If you are doing this without a sense of humor, you will die probably tomorrow. But there's absolutely no way you can't. The only way that I'm still sane right now is because I take time to laugh about the obscurities of what's going on. We were never meant to teach kindergartners on a computer. Right. The reason we've never done it before is because it doesn't right. work. It's not supposed to work. But when you can dissect these moments of hilarity and laugh at it rather than get stressed about it, you'll thrive. And that's all I'm doing. I hear it from my fans all the time. They're like, I just needed someone to... Give me permission to be okay with this crazosity. Mm -hmm. And I do. And it's, we're thriving. Mm -hmm. And in terms of that, what do you offer to like parents who are like, this is just so, so hard for my kid. And I know I had a kid who was a kindergartner who was like, I just cannot even picture him sitting in front of a screen for any number of hours a day. The first thing I do is I really 
connect with the parents. Mm. I'm not a parent yet, but I do resonate with them because kindergarten is such a special time right. for a parent. There is so much I hate using this word. I really do. But there is so much magic in kindergarten. And the thing is, Mm. you don't get those moments back. And these parents from this year and last year will not be getting these kindergarten moments back. So I do try to like talk them off a ledge as much as I can and justify their emotions because they're not wrong to be feeling this stress. But it is even more difficult for the kid. So all I tell the parents is, do your best. Mm. Let the kid do. Are they doing their best? Are you giving them these calm talks and they still can't handle it? Don't come to art today. Mm. Go to the park. Do what you got to do. But like, this is insane. And the only way it's going to work is if you allow the child to experience it as they do as an unique individual. And that's all we can be asking right now, you know? And we have to start thinking about what are the repercussions that are really going to happen as this kid continues to progress in a school that's not in a COVID environment anymore. You know, these kids haven't gone to real school. They're going to be in first and second grade in school for the first time acting like a kindergartner, not knowing how to line up or use scissors appropriately and all that crazy stuff. So if you as a parent know that your child is doing their personal best at home, just be okay with it. Oh, I love that. That's really good advice. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, I want to hear a little bit more about how parents could possibly be better supporters of their children's teachers than we have been this year. Margaret, I've got a go-to baby shower gift that I give whenever there's another newborn in my life. Can you guess what it is? Amy, three guesses, first two don't count. It's Pampers Swaddlers. Exactly. Pampers Swaddlers keep baby skin dry, happy, and healthy. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better than the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist approved by the Skin Health Alliance, hypoallergenic, and free of parabens and latex. Try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes are five times stronger, gripping mess more firmly, shall we say, and making diaper changes a breeze. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. Amy, you know me well enough to know that my daily power breakfast is toast with peanut butter on top. Toast with peanut butter. It's also, by the way, one of my favorite power breakfasts. We agree on that thing. We were recently together and we shared some toast with peanut butter. And I'm going to tell you, we used Hero Bread. It adds even more protein and fiber to that combo without adding any more sugar. Hero Bread has remade the carby, empty calorie bread products into versions that include no net carbs, zero gram sugar, and fewer calories, plus more protein and fiber, while still being super fluffy and delicious. I was not sure that that particular combination was going to be possible, but Hero Bread has figured it out. Yeah, this is one I'm glad they let us try. It's like, it really tastes good. I've been trying to add more protein to my diet, and I would have thought that a hamburger rolls was not the place to do that, Amy. <laughs> but all of Hero Bread's products, from rolls to tortillas to croissants, we please, offer protein and fiber, zero to one grams of net carbs, and zero grams of sugar. Start your Hero Bread bundle on their website and get 10% off your order. Go to hero.co and use the code MOTHERHOOD at checkout. I like this bread, people. It's 
H-E-R-O.co and code MOTHERHOOD for 10% off your order of Hero Bread. All right, we're going to take a hit, guys. Yeah, I want to know, like, are parents the monsters? Like, there's definitely times probably when parents have had unreasonable expectations of how the Cracklebot school play is going to go, right? And how the Zoom Cracker chess club was going to be. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I feel personally attacked, by the way. Yeah. Do you think that there's ways that maybe parents sort of aren't getting what teachers are taking on this year? Yeah. I mean, like, especially right now, take a step back and realize that, you know, we're trying to do our job in a global pandemic and we've never done this before. So I do expect a little bit of grace, mm. but teaching as a whole, and this goes for any grade, parents do need to realize that the way that your child is going to receive the maximum success in learning is by viewing education as a 50-50 split. They can do 50% in school, but you have to do 50% at home. And it can be so easy. The easiest thing that I tell parents is set up a reading corner in your house that your child has full jurisdiction <laughs> over where they can design, they can put whatever they want there and just have them read five minutes a day. That little bit of reinforcement, it's not just the reading, it's the routine, it's the autonomy, it's the lesson of having a physical space in your house where you can do the learning. Those little things make a difference as they continue to grow in education. But if parents aren't, you know, doing those little things, then they're only going to get the 50% that they get from school and they won't be succeeding at their full potential. So when I talk to parents, I'm always asking, like, what are the routines at home like? How are we reinforcing what we're learning at home? I'm not asking you to do what I'm doing at school, but there are little things that you could be doing along the way that can help. And, and if those little things are being met, then we're going to see some success here. And I think this has been a year of a lot of things to a certain degree. And there's been a ton of memes about this, right? Like, oh, you lied, teacher, when you told me my kid was a good student. They're horrible. Now I'm teaching them in the bedroom. <laughs> they're, I think they're horrible, you know. Mm -hmm. But I also think maybe there is something positive in really having kind of dialed into this entire experience. And I feel like in the beginning, I saw a lot of feedback from people that was like, well, why aren't they blah, blah, blah? Why aren't they this? There's a real good reason why people aren't suddenly perfectly transitioning into online learning for an entire school district, because there's a global pandemic. This has never happened before. And as you said, like, there's a reason why people don't do Zoom kindergarten. It's not designed for this. Mm -hmm. But in terms of hopefully pray to everything that exists, we're starting to maybe come out of this. Like, what comes out of that? Is there some benefits that come out from us having really been in the kindergarten classroom with our kids for this year? Well, yeah. And I think I say this every year to the parents, especially the ones who are worried. Mm. Parents were the first teacher. You were the first teacher. They wouldn't have made it to kindergarten if you didn't take the steps that you did as their first teacher to get them here. And I'm going to take them even further. But look at the things that they can do coming in. That's fantastic. And when we look at the skills that parents are teaching at home, even during this Zoom kindergarten, those are skills that will take them even farther as we go on. Kids right now are more technologically literate than they've ever been before. Like my kindergartners, when they came back and we're doing in-person learning now, mm. log into their iPads all on their own. Like that's insane for kindergarten. Insane. Mm -hmm. But they have that skill. That's a huge skill. And we're doing so much more technology than we ever have been before. And they're just going to continue building 
on those skills. And it's because of the parents. I wasn't there to teach you how to log in. I wasn't there to walk you through it. You got in the Zoom room and you do it by yourself every single day. That's huge. So there does need parents do need to give themselves a little bit more credit too because hmm. they were their child's first teacher for longer than they should have been. And that's saying a lot. Right. And it's never to go underappreciated. I wonder if it'll change when we get our kids back into classrooms full time. I'm thinking about when my kids were little, that technology was part of the curriculum from a pretty young age. Like, we're going to use these iPads and we're going to teach robots commands. And will we have a swing back towards they're in the classroom? We're going to be cutting out construction paper and singing songs in a circle. Like, that's what this time is for and teaching social skills. How has what you're teaching your kindergartners changed in this crazy year. I, I imagine it can't be exactly the same as what you would teach if you had them in the classroom full time. Oh, yeah, it was wild. When they first came back to school, I immediately realized that their fine motor skills were completely reverted mm -hmm. as to where they should have been at this time of the year. So we doubled down on cutting, on sorting tiny colored beads and doing all those little manipulatives with their fingers because it was not good. Tying our shoes. Couldn't get our fingers right to tie our shoes. Those little things that they should have by March of your kindergarten year weren't there. So finding the pitfalls and doubling down on them are really what needed to be done. And I started to change my focus and realize we advanced the technology sooner than we ever needed to do. So just like you said, now we need to start doing the creative, the hands-on, the art-type math, the art-type reading. We're doing a lot of like rainbow writing right now, which is, you know, they're working on their sight words. So example, cat, but I have them write it in one color. Then they go over it again in green, then red, then blue, just to get those hands moving because... They're actually oddly efficient typers, okay? Oh, wow. Right. They've had to become so. <laughs> yeah. I don't mean to brag, but <laughs> over half of my class types with uh, two hands and f eight fingers. Wow. So. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> yeah. But that's fine. They're there. They're advanced. That's like a second grade skill. Let's start working with our pencils. Let's start working on erasing properly. Let's start writing in the lines. These are things that they can't do. And it's really just taking a look at where the world has moved, what they've had experience doing and where we need to film. And that gaps. is we've done. I've seen a lot of even my mother-in-law is giving my daughter painting lessons and they do fine. And then she gets to a point where she's like, I just wish I was in the room to just show you what I mean by this, you know, and you really see that you can take someone so far. But like that drawing within the lines, even though I was saying, I guess you do a lot of the stuff verbally in a classroom. You still you need to be in person to impart some of these skills. Yeah, you definitely do, because they just need to like see exactly what it is from all angles. Like if I go like this to hold my pencil, it looks like to you right now that I'm just making a fist, right. but they can move their little head around to see what my hand looks like and to manipulate their hand to be in that same position rather than holding their pencil with the fist, which is what it looks like I'm doing right now. Right. But that's just not the case. And for those listening, I am holding up my fake pencil hand <laughs> to the computer right now. He knows how to hold a pencil, guys. <laughs> no, he's not. He's just making a fist. It's weird. Why would you say that? Yeah. And, and the ability to look around at your peers and see what they're doing and that kind of communion of kids, man, that's hard. That is huge. Even for my, I've got a seventh grader and it's hard. Like that idea of like a discussion starts going and it's like, oh, oh wait, Johnny's off the mic. Wait, you can't kind of get rolling with community. And that seems like a real loss to me. 
community's huge. To really put it into perspective for you, when they all came back, it was like I had an entire class of only (laughs) children. Now I can say that because I am one, but it was psycho. Like there was minimal sharing, maximum complaining. Like it was (laughs) wild. But I noticed too, I have one kid who never really cries. But when we're teaching math online, which we still do have remote days that happen, when he gets frustrated, the first thing he does is cry and his mom or babysitter will immediately swoop in. But I don't do that. Right. And he works through his own frustration. But that took a while to get there, you know. So those social skills are humongous. And that's why we need to get kids back into the classroom as fast as possible and as safely as possible. And what about the masks and social distancing and stuff? Are you finding the kids are sort of better at that than we had feared? You're going to die. They're actually amazing at it. Like, I'm like, this old woman can't wear her mask at Walmart, but my entire class of kindergartners don't take their mask off for the day. Okay, there's an issue, America. There's an issue. They're great. They don't take their masks off at all. They're not fantastic about social distancing, but we're five. Mm. So mm-hmm. I do a lot of, they have to be at individual desks. I can't do tables, which is a kindergarten nightmare. Right. But I do a lot of, okay, now we're going to learn by sitting under our desk. And now we're going to sit on top of our desk safely. And you have to kind of like get them excited about being in their own little island, which is not exciting. But they don't complain about it. And it's half fear half starting to understand the rules and i think there's a little bit of fear is healthy and they are fearful of corona they know about it they talk about it and they don't want it so they wear their mask which is great but the other thing is when i think about it they're five and one and a half years of their life has been masked in public and they don't really remember the other three so they almost don't know they have no idea what an unmasked school situation is like oh right so it's just kind of what you do to them now the fifth graders and the fourth graders they're probably a little bit more on the struggle bus but my kinders i'm really proud of them they're great with it there's something you brought up there i want to talk a little bit more about it after this break Margaret, I've been at the research again, looking into metabolic health, and more importantly, metabolic flexibility, which turns out is the key to improved energy levels, better sleep, better fitness, all the things. And I found out about all this because we got a chance to try Lumen, the first handheld device that helps you manage your metabolic health. Lumen works when you breathe into it. If you do that first thing in the morning or after a workout, Lumen measures your metabolism by measuring the amount of carbon dioxide in your breath. It's science, people. That lets you see exactly what's going on in your body in real time. Then you use Lumen's app to get tailored guidance to improve your sleep, your nutrition, even stress management. If you're interested in figuring out the effects of different sorts of foods on your body, Lumen is a really cool way to see what's actually happening as your body burns different fuel sources. If you want to take the next step in improving your health, go to lumen.me and use Fresh to get $100 off your Lumen. That is L-U-M-E-N dot M-E, lumen.me, and use the code FRESH at checkout for $100 off. Thank you, Lumen, for sponsoring this episode. 
Hi there, I'm Andrea Owen, self-help author with 19 translations of my books, global keynote speaker, and life coach. My podcast, Make Some Noise, has been serving up self-help in a simple-to-digest way for the last decade. The topics brought in each episode are practical and easy to implement around topics such as working through fears that keep you stuck, different modalities of therapy, managing your negative self-talk, and more. We bring you guest experts, solo episodes, and I even coach listeners on the air around relatable struggles. I also do my best to weave my sense of humor into some heavy topics because let's face it, life can be pretty hard and it's so much better when we can have some fun while walking through our challenges. Whether you're seasoned in personal development or just starting out, Make Some Noise podcast will help you become the best version of yourself, the person you're proud of when you look in the mirror and show up in your life. Simply search Make Some Noise with Andrea Owen wherever you listen to your podcasts. In terms of the masking and the social distancing, my daughter, who's very, uh, she was in second when this started and very social. At some point, she just had a huge crying breakdown. And she was like, I'm just not a person who's meant to be six feet away from other people. <laughs> Same girl. All right. <laughs> And I was like, I really feel you. Like, I know. And it's exactly right. Like, my seventh grader's kind of digging. Like, I'm at my desk. No one bothers me. He's not dying to go back. But as kids start to come back, how do we try at all to make up for lost time? Or do we just say, like, you know what? This happened and we got to move on. Like, are we going to try to say, welcome back. It's your real first time at school. You know, I don't know. I I can't imagine what that looks like. I actually view it as something to be celebrated. And I never want them to forget this because I often think about my students and what they're going to be like when they're in their 30s and their 40s and they have kids of their own. And I love the fact that they're going to look at their kids and they're going to say, when I was in kindergarten, it was during that pandemic that you've heard about all the time. And when I was in kindergarten, look at these pictures. My whole class has these masks on and look at these pictures from the computer. I had to do a kindergarten on the computer. And I actually think that's a beautiful beautiful part of their history. And by that time, they'll be able to see like, what were the actual effects of that? And how do we move forward? But I think they're actually going to be much better parents realizing the kindergarten experience that they were unjustfully robbed of and make it so much better for students in the future. So I never want to not talk about it. I would appreciate if they keep bringing it up and celebrate how hard it was. When I sit in bed at the end of the night and think about what I just asked my kindergartners to do and they did it, they're like weekday warriors. It's insane. Like, I can't believe that they are thriving still and learning, learning how to read. Mind blowing. Like, I'm teaching them phonics with a mask on, right? So they can't see my face when I'm making and when I'm making and they still get it right. That's huge. That's amazing. Like the human mind is incredible. And the human mind of a five-year-old, that's why I do it. It's fascinating. And to see that they can still thrive in these hard conditions, it's knocking futz, let me tell you. <laughs> one of my favorite videos of yours, Joe, is one where you sit down with your kindergartners and you say you have something to share with them. And it's time to, you know, come out for who you are, that you are, in fact, a mermaid. And do any of them have questions? We don't see the kids. We hear their questions. We don't see them. And the seriousness with which half of them 
are just asking like, well, how did you get here? And the other half are like, wait a minute, you know, like yep. get in a sink right now if you're a real mermaid and they engage with it. Yeah. Oh, it is. There's something about this age group, like where magic is still, they don't maybe believe in magic quite as much as they used to, but like maybe you are a mermaid. Like they need to do a little more research to figure it out, right? What is it about this age group that excites you the most? God, that exact thing. I love how they are curiously skeptical, but want to believe it because, oh my God, my teacher's a mermaid. This is amazing. (laughs) I don't want to not believe it. But the critical thinking in that lesson was insane because they started being like, oh, well, I'm just going to go get a cup of water and splash you with it. And then you will transform. And I'm like, oh, you can't because that's actually not enough water. And I would just get them every single time. And then their little brain was like, okay, but what else can we do? They're like, oh, I got it. You're going to go jump in the ocean and come back and you'll be a mermaid. I'm like, no, but then I, by the time I come back, I'll be dry. So just watching the critical thinking and the wheels turn is amazing. But the thing that I love most about kindergarten is that They want to believe what they want to believe, even though they know this is probably not possible. So uh, when I start to think about how that's happening and even the mermaid example, they wanted me to be a mermaid and they knew it was different, but they accepted it. And it really, really connects to me because kids don't know how to hate until they're taught how to hate. And in that mermaid example, they were just so excited to have a mermaid in front of them, like me, the mermaid, you know, because they had never heard anything bad about mer people as I did that. And it really just put me in that place of, oh, they're going to love and accept and bring in. And it's because they don't know how to any other way because they've never heard that in the news, at home, in the store passing by. And it was a really hilariously beautiful experience when you dissect the video. Absolutely. Now, how did they... I think this is probably in the same lane. So you have this other life as a person who is known, a celebrity, been on Ellen, you know, people, you're Mr. D. How much of that are they aware of? And my guess is what's interesting is like they'd be a little bit more excited if you were a mermaid than on Ellen because that's the other awesome thing about kids. They're like, <laughs> yeah, they don't care at all. So I'll have some pretty big connections with some friends who are legitimately famous who will like zoom in and read to the class. And they're just like, this is great. Great. Who are you? You're just our teacher. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Now, I have taught everything kindergarten through sixth grade with the exception of first and second. So when I taught fifth grade, now that was a different story because they would come in and they'd be like, yo, you got a blue check mark by your name. Oh. What is happening? <laughs> How is this real? I had a student in fifth grade take the paper that I graded. He made his own video on Instagram and was trying to sell my autograph. Okay. <laughs> so I- That is, uh, what do you call that? That's industrious. That's life skills right there. It's industrious. Yeah. I was like, this little man's going to yeah. be a hustler. I can't wait to see what kind of pyramid scheme he gets involved in. He's going to make it in the world. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, for sure. But the kindergartners have no perception of any sort of celebrity. Like their celebrities are the characters in the book and like how we bring them to life, which is great. Or their kindergarten teacher, period. Right. Like, I mean, I can picture my first grade teacher in my head. So Miss Murphy was so beautiful. Her perfume. I I mean, just everything about her. I mean, just... You never forget your kindergarten teacher. Yeah. No. 
No, and my husband tells a funny story because he lived in a small town and he's like, the greatest day ever when you saw your teacher at the grocery store. It's, mom, mom, be cool, mom, be cool. But um, Mrs. Landis is in the frozen food aisle. Like, don't act a fool, but we got to be cool, but we should probably go over there. And it's true. Like, there's no bigger celebrity than your kindergarten teacher. And it's just, it's a great thing. It's a bigger ego stroke than when I do shows and I have like a line at the meet and greet. It's the way that kindergartners are. It's just like, that's why I do it. <laughs> People are often like, oh, you teach kindergarten for the comedy. I'm like, uh-uh, don't get it twisted. Like, I love this. No, no I always say if you ever, anyone who wants the full rock star experience, like you want to know what Mick Jagger's actual life is like, go be a mystery reader in your kid's classroom. Oh, yeah. It's truly like you walk in and they're like, their minds are blown. They're like, oh, this can't be happening. Mrs. Abel's in the classroom. Yep. Like, it's the greatest. You know what the other greatest thing, too, is? And this, like, it chokes me up, honestly, every single time. <laughs> when I take them out for the end of the day and they just run to their parents with open arms. And I'm like, oh, my God, oh, my God, I'm going to cry. Can it be me next? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's just so cool. I just I love how they unconditionally love. It's super cute. Joe, tell us about your social studies podcast, what you do on that, who that's for. We all love it. Yeah. Social studies, the podcast where you study being social by being social. And it's for anybody and everybody who finds humor in children. And basically what I do is every single week, I give you a recap of what happened in my classroom the week before. <laughs> so uh, I change all the names and everything like that. But yeah, you get the full story. So like last week, I told everybody of how I have a phantom barber in my classroom. There's somebody who's going across and just cutting the hair of the little girls in my class and I know it's not them because we'll be in the middle of learning and they'll go to scratch their head and they'll just like pull out a clump I'm like girl did you just like try to bleach blonde yourself and you're pulling out an acetone like what's happening <laughs> so uh, the hilarity just continues every single week and if you listen to social studies you can be right there with me getting full scoop it's wild <laughs> that is hilarious and the reason I do it too is you know, so many people think they know what teaching's like, right? And they're going to make assumptions about us. But you don't know. You don't know until you've been there. So what I'm really trying to do is bring light through humor to how hard and how crazy it is to be a teacher and be this underpaid and still want to keep going back. So it's very funny. But at the end of the day, when you turn off the podcast... I hope that people have a, a deeper appreciation and respect for America's teachers. That's fantastic. Oh, especially this year, friends. I don't want to see any posts. Why aren't they? Like, I mean, it has been such a peek behind the curtain in terms of just even, and I mean, my kids are seventh, fifth, and third. Like, just putting up with a child for seven hours a day is that's my starting point just being in a room with a child for seven hours a day is a lot and that's my child i made that person <laughs> and i mean you're doing it with other people's children god bless you several of them large groups yep that's actually the beauty of it too because it's like i love you but i don't love you mm -hmm. like your mom loves you like i love mm -hmm. you enough to still be able to correct this bs that you're giving me right now okay and you better correct yourself right now little thing because we're not going to do it today 
That's such a thing that we're missing this year, too. I know there are people who homeschool and they do it successfully, but they've figured something out there. I have not figured that thing out. And my I want to be a mother and I don't want to be a teacher. They're very different roles. I don't it doesn't go great in my house. You know, my kids don't like learning from me. I don't like teaching them. It's not my skill set. So I just a huge shout out to every single teacher in the United States of America. Yeah, thanks. And you know, that's the thing too, is I always tell teachers when I'm talking to university pre-service teachers, student teachers, don't act like you know that kid better than somebody else because that parent knows them through and through. And that parent can either be your biggest helper or your biggest nightmare because they have insight. They have tea that you need to be successful. So you better whip it together, girl, and get that partnership going because if you don't, you're going to fail. But certainly works the other way, too. I have definitely had teachers broach sort of, I don't know if you've noticed this about your kid. I've had that conversation more than once with the teacher who was like, I don't know how to bring this up. You can tell that they see something very clearly that they're not sure that I saw. And I'm so glad we had those conversations. So there's a lot we can learn. Teachers see our kids fully also and very differently than we do as parents. Mm hmm. And a lot of that, too, is that in no shade to the parent, but the parent doesn't want to see it. You know, you would, nobody wants to see the negative in their student. So whether you're doing it intentionally or not, you might be overlooking these things that are actually big deals. You know, like for me, a really big deal is when students are playing tag at recess and before they get tagged, they say, I'm not playing or time out or something <laughs> like that. That's actually a huge skill that needs to be corrected. But to a parent, they just might be like, oh, they're, you know, they're just like they don't want to get out they love being it only it's fine they're five and it's like yeah they're five but this is not going to work in the workplace okay so we're going to set them up for success and we're going to say uh-uh no no and i'll do that without feeling bad and you might not but if you support me we're so going to win here well said joe tell us where we can find you on the internet because it's everywhere basically yeah you can find me anywhere my handle everywhere on the internet is mr d times three that's mrd T-I-M-E-S, the number three, literally everywhere, Facebook, TikTok, YouTube, Instagram. And then, yeah, the podcast is Social Studies. And I'm actually very excited. I'm going back on tour this summer for the Schools Out for Summer Tour. There will be capacity restrictions in a lot of these cities. So follow me on social media if you'd like to come see a live show. I'd love to have you. But stay very closely tuned because... They're going to, tickets are going to fly. So <laughs> just keep up to date. Oh, that's awesome. So fun. Are you coming to the East Coast? Am I? <laughs> <laughs> I am. Oh, boy. I am Oh, there. if you are, it's ladies night out for me and Amy. We're coming. I sure am. Yeah. You know, uh, without giving too much away, I have multiple New York shows coming up and I have some uh, Connecticut shows coming up and a few... Uh, Boston area shows, but you know, we'll give you the full scoop when you find me on the internet. <laughs> oh, Amy, girls night out. It's happening. It was so much fun talking to you. I knew we were going to enjoy this, but it was even more enjoyable than I thought. Thanks, Joe. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me. I loved this. This was actually one of the best podcasts that I've been a guest on. So thank you for having me. You heard it from this person's mouth. Come on, guys. Thanks so much for being here. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, whew, there is a lot to unpack. 
I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us. Well, hey there, Busy Mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it. But I will give you practical and, more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests, too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free.